Hey there, I'm Judy Croon. Welcome to another episode of Laugh Long and Prosper. Shelf help with a dash of humor. I believe that humor is one of our best coping mechanisms, especially when we are facing stress. Today, I am chatting with one funny lady, Deborah Kimmett. She is a regular on CBC's Winnipeg Comedy Festival, LOL, and is an accomplished author of four books, Reality is Overrated and That Which Kills You Makes You Funnier, Outrunning Crazy, and her new book, which was released this year, Window Shopping for God. She was nominated twice for the National Magazine Award for Humor. As well, she has been shortlisted for the Governor General Award for her play Miracle Mother in 1984. She has written 52 episodes of TV on Steve Smith's Go Girl. Uh, her lead in the movie Keep Coming Back debuted at the Palm Springs Film Festival and Whistler Film Festival. Uh, she's received a Best Actress nomination uh, for Actra. She has appeared on Canadian gems like Frankie Drake, Tall Boys, and Gail Pike. Uh, she has amazing uh, writing workshops online that we're going to talk about afterwards because everyone's sort of getting into writing. January is usually the time that you want to do that kind of stuff as you sort of recalibrate. So a uh, very popular uh, workshop, especially in January. Now, I know all of these amazing accolades are uh, are phenomenal, but I suspect this next accolade is one of the things that Deborah is most proud of, or one of the things she's most proud of, and that's her secret Santa sock fund. Deborah, welcome to the show. Oh, thanks for having me, Judy. Tell us about the secret Santa sock fund. This was, uh, this was a, a, a banner year for you. I know, I know. It was great. I think it was five years ago, I started to just do this Secret Santa Sock Fund with a few people. I think you were the original ask in that. Mm -hmm. And people gave a little bit of money and a, few, a handful of friends. We decided that we'd try to do, uh, you know, whatever came in. And it was $420. And then I put it in on Facebook the following year. And it went from like, oh, 500, 1,000. And then it was up to like 1,300. And then the last two years before this year, we got up to 3,200, which was just through people donating 20, 50 bucks. There was one, you know, there was one bigger uh, donation, but it was just a group of people who now donate every year and they look forward to donating. And the premise is that you could buy four pairs of socks for $20. And uh, and I, you know, just talked about uh, increasing homelessness and undersheltered people in our city and in our province. So I start, you know, I just targeted that socks. And then we got so much money. We did hats and sleeping bags and, um, you know, just coats and things and cash because each organization we were donating to um, seemed to need different things each year. Some don't have much storage space. Other people have tons of socks. So we just kind of gave what was needed. And because I'm uh, collecting from several communities on Facebook, I try to target the people that uh, donate their community. One of them is I grew up in Napanee, so I do that and surrounding area Kingston. And then of course, Toronto, the biggest, um, receiver of our money this year was 519 Church Community Center because they service about 75,000 uh, people who live under the po poverty line, mm. uh, both, both um, 
LGBTQ and New Canadian, and they really live, um, they live a very rough life. The people, not always completely homeless, but their shelter is always precarious. And uh, uh, the under-sheltered part, I think is a better word because it's not that you're always just begging on the street. You might have an apartment to go back to at the end of asking for money, um, but you need that money to make ends meet because um, Ontario Works and Disability does not cover even basic costs now. So as the need has grown, I feel like whoever my donators are, they keep go, you know, meeting the need at a higher level. So this mm. year we got up to, uh, I believe it's $6, $6,200. Fantastic. Congratulations. Well done, my friend. Well, you know, it's, it, it, I don't mean to be like falsely humble, but honestly, I, I, I'll tell you a little humor about this is I, I hate being on Facebook a lot. And I sort of made a deal with myself that if I was going to be on Facebook, it had had to do good for somebody. Mm. So I just started putting these stories up of people I had encountered on the street, people with mental health issues, people who were like little angels who when I needed help, they seemed to just say something to me that really spoke to me in my life. So I put that up. And then at the end, I just put, if you want to give 20 bucks to the fund. And so that's something that's become quite well known in my Facebook group. And again, I'm not like hundreds of thousands of people, but it's just nice to see. And I don't know if you feel this, but I think a lot of us feel hopeless about things like prices increasing and high mm -hmm. and what can we do? There's so much need. And I just say 20 bucks helps and one small thing helps. And that helps me too, because when I hand out all the stuff, you know, you realize there's just a lot of need out there. And, um, and uh, anyway, I've enjoyed it. And I've also enjoyed getting to know people who give to me the 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 way they give it um sometimes really warms my heart because for one thing the theater community and the speaking community which were just devastated during no money lived mm -hmm. off if you were lucky lived off your savings lived off a partner's income these were the people that gave the most money and every year give the most money or not, even if it's not the most with a dollar sign, they're the first to jump in. Mm -hmm. And I just thought it's amazing, don't you? It's just an amazing situation. Well, to your credit, I think why this was such a great idea, it's a very simple and necessary idea. And whenever you have those two factors, something that's doable, something that's easy, something that's inexpensive. So you say, hey, look, if you can only donate $20, I can buy four pairs of socks. Um, and that that in itself really made this really made this work. Uh, I wanted to ask you, I mean, it's it's probably obvious, but just for folks listening, why did you pick socks? What was why socks over what, what mittens, well, scarves? We did this whole thing the first year, which was too complicated. We were going to do, we did sistering and we did a bag with chocolate and socks and underpants and all that. Mm -hmm. That wasn't what they needed. Mm -hmm. They needed socks and they needed warm feet. And homeless people 
go through people that live on the street and walk all day. So they could have the apartment, they could have a shelter, but all day they have to be out. There's no place for them to go. So they go to the library, they go to the grocery store, they go to the uh, kitchen, a community dinner, their mental health uh, provider often gives them their meds if they're, um, you know, on methadone or if they've got to, you know, go to the pharmacy. All of that means they walk hundreds of kilometers every week. And a person that walks like that usually goes through a pair of socks every 10 days. Mm. They don't have laundry and they don't have a place to wash it and they wear out. So people came in on board the first year giving a lot of free advice about, well, you can get cotton socks. Cotton mm -hmm. socks kill. They kill. Wool and thermal socks work. And they last at least two weeks. So something like 519 Church, they go through about 700 pairs every two weeks. So when I get my 700 pairs, I've just done a very small thing, right? Um, so it's that focus that's helped. And I think we just, like you said, it, it, if it's one thing you can do is warm someone's feet mm -hmm. and if you have wet feet yeah. uh, and cold feet, there's no way you can even be outside to panhandle or anything, right? And people really get sick if they get a bad foot care. I mean, you see this with people with diabetes and older people, you know, foot care becomes a huge thing as if you have any of those conditions. And and people lose their feet on the street from exposure and um, frostbite and uh, lack of warmth. You said something just now, uh, because I know a lot of people would think, well, you know what, I could go to Costco and I could pick up a bunch of cotton socks. I could pick out, uh, you know, some athletic socks and then and, and drop that off. Why is, is cotton so bad? Well, because... It, it, they just freeze your feet if you're if you sweat in your feet which if mm. you walk that much your feet sweat cotton mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. and especially bamboo and those things wear out so quickly so literally on the street the common phrase is cotton kills um and now people don't need to buy wool pure wool because that's not always um great because people don't like the itchiness right. and they certainly don't want you to knit a pair people were doing that the first couple week years and i'm like you've just this pair of socks is not going to last more than 10 days mm -hmm. this is not for a shelter where people live i mean if you want to give knit socks give it to a community drop-off sort of thing where they're right like, yeah it's a lovely idea but I've had funny people. People have given me pantyhose. Mm -hmm. People have given me lacy. People want to <laughs> My favorite was my friend. She'd gotten all these shoes. What's that? Is it Jimmy Choo? Something like that? Yeah. Or, yeah <laughs> right. She gave me all them. That would be really nice. I'm like, where do you think these people are? <laughs> if they get a job, it's going to be on their feet. So they need shoes that are on their feet. But it took me a while to learn. I didn't know that at the beginning. I interviewed and talked to people at Sistering. I talked, I, I put a lot of focus on Sistering, mm -hmm. but Sistering has a huge support system and um, they've got a huge, uh, which is fabulous. They've got yeah. a huge, the whole way they've integrated the conversation between their clients and people aren't called homeless. They're called their clients and there's food and there's guidance and there's no judgment if you're high. Um, I love that. But 519 is, if you want to see desperation, you just go to 519 on any given day on a cold day and uh, 
you and you know i can feel very like it took me you know three weeks to collect the money and buy the socks and put them in my little tiny car and in two minutes it's over and you go it is so the need is so great there and i i i feel like for me it's um i don't know how to say it because it's gonna sound well it, no it 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 warms your heart, but let me tell you something too. I mean, it's twofold, right? You're giving them the socks, which is absolutely necessary. But I read one of your uh, one of your comments on Facebook, and you were saying that you know when you just make that contact, that eye contact uh, with you know one of our uh, one of our street friends, you're just because I mean. Um, it, it, the need is so great. So just to say, I see you, uh, yeah, let me, let me help you, you know? Yeah. And also, you know, I've done a lot of work, um, with Stephen Levine and Ram Dass studying them. They were Buddhists who worked with people with AIDS and they worked with the dying in hospice. And I've been guided by a priest at, uh, Our Lady of Lourdes, although I'm not Catholic anymore about how we approach people who need help. And I think the common thing we all do is like, hello, you need help and I'm here. Even though we don't say it like that, there's mm. a sense of it. Mm -hmm. No one wants to be met on that level. People want to be, hey, how are you doing? And they might say, F off, I'm doing shit. And you go, yeah. would you like the socks? Right. They go, no, I'd like some money. Mm -hmm. And I go, I would too. And then we laugh. And then I give them a pair of socks. I've been told F off more often than thank you. But since <laughs> I hate Christmas, I laugh so hard when people tell me F off. I think they surprise. I think kind of get surprised because I'm like, oh, my God, I get it. Like I totally get <laughs> you don't want me to give you an F and pair of socks. You'd like a house to live in. Like I get it. Mm -hmm. um, the humorous encounters I've had. I don't know if they found them humorous. I just found them humorous because. I kind of drive up with my big truckload of stuff and this feeling of goodwill because I got all the money off Facebook and and then I'm humbled with an F off. And I just laugh. <laughs> I, think, I think the other thing is because I'm an actress and a comic, I've had immediate gratification my whole life, either that or immediate hate. Like I understand immediate hate. <laughs> If you've done comedy, you understand this, right? Of course. The late show, you and you, the late show and a drunken group of engineers. Absolutely. So you you're not you're not really throwing off your game if they go f off. You go. This is eleven o'clock at a bad corporate. <laughs> That's right. So, like <laughs> I wouldn't say that to them, but I go. You really can't hurt me, and. I had to, like, again, I had to reflect on this. Maybe other people don't reflect the way I have to, but I don't need a thank you. And I had to get over that idea because it's not about me feeling good. I've had people come to me who donate and will say, I'd like my kids to come out with you and donate. And I'm like, mm -hmm. this is kind of adult only because this is, this, <laughs> this is, is a late show. <laughs> freak show. This is a, nobody has toes. Where I yeah. Go. So I find it more, I don't need a gratitude from them. Um, and I don't need someone to pat me on the back. And that's really helped 
me get it right with why I'm doing what I'm doing so that it's not about the money. It's um, to me, the money is great this year, but mm -hmm. it might not be next year. It's about awareness and people, because I put it on Facebook, they write me privately and say, now I keep socks in my car. Now I have mm. 10 a gift certificate in the car. And so I like, I want people to do it in their community more than just give to me because I'm only one person. It was three or four people, but now it's just me and my little Ford Fiesta. So, but I mean, <laughs> I, there's something, and you've done so much work this way. It's the drip on the rock rather than a gush where you just at Christmas time, give all your money. Yeah. No, give it all the time. Give it consistently, make visible the invisible and take the focus on how off of how you feel. Mm -hmm. And I know your, your little slogan was about humor mm -hmm. but to me. And this is just, I think being of service, even if it's once a month for one hour <laughs> or 10 minutes, it helps with anxiety and depression as much as humor, as much as anti, you can still get the antidepressants and yeah. you can still laugh, but service will connect you because we want connection and they want connection and I want connection. I couldn't agree more. I mean, I would say when I was probably uh, the times in my life when I was probably uh, at the lowest COVID being one of them, uh, losing my parents being another one. But each time I turned to, uh, as, as you know, I've been with City Street Outreach right now, City Street Outreach for uh, over seven, eight years and an outreach program to Canada, um, to Toronto's homeless and, and most vulnerable. And it was just a way of uh, selfishly, it was just a way of me getting out of my house and and feeling better. But at the same time, too, I'm like, look, I can actually do some good here. And, um, you know, when you it also puts it in perspective, you know, when you're giving a sandwich or a cup of coffee to or, or a, a jacket or a pair of socks to someone on the street and they look up at you or they don't or they tell you to F off, you think, oh, here I am moping and yeah. I got it pretty good, you know. Yeah. And also, I only started doing this because I got so broke a few years ago, there's been two times, one in 2008 and then right after my brother died where, but for the grace of God go I, because I honestly know that if I'd had a head injury, an addiction, long-term family poverty, I would be one of those people. Like mm -hmm. it, it's not like if I would be mm -hmm. because I've been self-employed my whole life. I'm single. So I don't have a partner to pay. And that's, like making pity here but my point is it is just dna and some good fortune that it, there's not much difference and i think this othering of the person who ends up right now having to ask you for something money wise is the biggest injustice we do and i think there's um incredible um movement in the community for people that work with people who are underhoused. Uh, one of them is in Fort Hope. It's one of the most fabulous thing called Greenwood Coalition. And they got out of the, the mandate of we're the helper and you're the help. They had community dinners as opposed to soup kitchens. Mm. They have the jails that were closed because they had a big, you know, so the little town police became an overnight thing. You could just get off the street. 
and be in jail, but you're not really arrested, but you're just in a place that's warm. And they've taken the uh, hierarchy out of giving. And I think that's the biggest thing that when you give even just a little bit of yourself, just a tiny itsy bitsy part of yourself, you feel the connection you're looking for that you can't get on social media, that you can't get with the next job or the, you just can't get it the same way when you say to another human being, here you go, here you go. And you don't even have to like what I'm giving. You will start to feel more a part of the human race. And for me, I'm an isolator and I'm not a team player. Um, I'm a comic, so I stand on the stage by myself. I always say it, I drive there by myself. I'm <laughs> such a loner. Uh, that is like, I don't need any more me time. So I find this has connected me, not just to the people of the street, but the people who want to give and tell me their stories. And uh, I've also seen my own judgment from people, like people that are very wealthy, uh, can't give the same way someone who's really poor. And I find that shocking. Mm. I had to look at my own um, judgments in this. So I've learned a lot from it myself, you know, so it, it's, um, and this issue of homelessness is increasing. So, you know, it, it is not about you're not working hard enough. There is a drug addiction uh, part of it. There is a mental health part of it. But there's a lot of you can't win for losing when you get behind the eight ball and can't get that first and last month's rent. Yeah, and, you're right. and then you have a mental health issue on top of it. Mm -hmm. You drink a little bit on Saturday night. And people say, well, there's all these things there for you. But you don't, like if you've ever, I followed one person who was homeless around for one day and I walked around with them. And uh, just, they let me. And uh, it's hard work. No one's being lazy when they're homeless. It's a lot of work to stay on the street. And it's scary. It's scary. Terrible. I mean, one of the, uh, that, that story recently where those girls uh, stabbed uh, a homeless man to death. Uh, that was, uh, that guy was on one of the routes for, um, one of the gentlemen that has, uh, an outreach program, um, who's related to city street outreach, but he said that guy was on his route. I mean, how, how sad, how scary, how frightening, you know, but yeah. again, and this I may seem all overwhelming, but as you have done as, uh, as many successful people who are working with uh, the, the less fortunate is just focus on what you can handle, what you can do that little bit. Cause it just, I, I always maintain if it's a good idea, if it's, if it's easy enough for people to do, it'll grow. Look at those kids at Oriole park who had that brilliant idea. Uh, five, five little girls who said, let's write out Christmas cards and not sign them to everybody in the school. And they all got mailed out. Well, Canada Post thought it was such a great idea. They they mailed out all those letters for free. And everybody oh. from teachers to uh, the, the custodians to all of the students were so happy to get this letter that said, happy holidays, you know, thinking of you this time of year. Like, but again, a brilliant idea that uh, even, hey, Canada Post jumped on and went, yeah, we want to be part of this. So Can I tell you something? I... I think that the thing is, and I did this for years, and maybe you did, I don't know, but is think that we had to do big things. Right. So I put off doing anything. And I hear people tell me this story when they give me the money. 
is, well, when I retire, I'm going to start being, <laughs> I'm mm. going to volunteer. Right. And I go, no, you're probably not. Because <laughs> if you're not thinking like that and giving already, it's going to be really hard when you get retired. And yes, you could show up and two hours at whatever community center. But I also say there's a, I'm not great with that kind of stuff, to be honest. I have a very varied career. I don't love having a commitment the same time every week. That's just me. But I had to go, what can I do well? And I was on a board for the hospice one night because I was so bored by it. I, I said, that's why they're called the board. They're, they're so bored. <laughs> and I went, where can I do what I do well? And so the mandate for yourself as an individual is, what can I do and what do I like to do? Mm -hmm. And can I do it on a consistent basis? So it's just part of who I am. And, you know, years ago, I, I'll tell you a funny little story. I learned how to be generous through my grandparents. And I learned how to be generous through people like you, Judy, and mm. like Marlene, who told me what to do because I didn't know. And... There was a time in 2008, my house wouldn't sell. I owed so God darn much money and I couldn't get arrested. And somebody said, I complained to them like for the 50th time. And they said, you got to quit thinking about yourself. And so I went and don't, I went and volunteered at the Morningstar Mission in Napanee. That was fine. Still no money, still no money. And then somebody said to me, just do random acts of kindness. Because mm -hmm. whether you get money or not, at the end of it, you will not feel so isolated. Right. So I drove from Napanee to Toronto one day and put my books, one of my books called That Which Doesn't Kill You Makes You Funnier, in people's mailbox that I didn't know. Mm -hmm. And I said, I just wanted to give you a laugh. I, I hope you have a good day. And it's so weird because I posted it on Facebook like 10 years later. And someone said, I was the recipient of one of those books. I wonder how you knew my, and I was like, well, I just literally stopped, pulled over, put the book in. But the point was, I thought I had to be rich before I could give, or I had to have extra money before I could give. You can give what you have. And that's so cool. So those letters, for example, you can buy a box at the dollar store of letters. If you like writing letters, mail them to people who are feeling lonely, who have, you know, any person over 70 who lives alone needs you to see them. You know, it's so simple what we can do. Simplicity is the key to all of it. It is simplicity and, uh, and just keep doing it. Consistency, you know, whether you do it once a month, whether you do it once a week. Yeah. Um, so congratulations, the secret Santa sock fund, uh, Deborah Kimmett, Kimmett, the most successful year so far from a very simple, necessary idea over $6,200 raised. Bravo. All right, my friend, I want to talk to you about something. I know I have to let you go in a second, but I didn't want to let you go without you talking about your workshops, because I know January is a busy time for your online workshop. So tell us all about that. Well, I teach uh, memoir writing classes online on Zoom on Sunday mornings. We call it writing in your pajamas. And mm -hmm. they, uh, I've always taught them for a number of years, but during Zoom, they really took off. And it's a core group of writers who some have never written before and some have had experience writing, but they can't seem to do it on their own. And it's usually women 
I would say the general is 40 and up, but mostly 60 and up. And people who've lived interesting lives want to write some of those stories down. I teach them how to write a good memoir. And how it works is we have, I do a little talk on a theme. The theme is what we write about during the class. We connect with other writers and then people can share or get feedback depending on their level of comfort. But it's really been fun and safe and we have great music and we have dancing at the end. And it's just been, it saved my life during COVID. I have to say it really felt good. And we have people from all over the world coming. We have two people from Africa that have come and they've connected with people who used to live in Africa, but now they live in Canada and they have these little breakout rooms. So it's been really fun. Can you share with us? I know you can't share any names, but what's a story that someone shared from their memoirs that jumped out at you where you went, well, wow, why, why have you been sitting on this? This could be a movie. <laughs> well, I don't worry. My, I think I really focus on that telling your story and whether it's good or not, or if it's going to become something, it, it's more how can you tell it so that maybe you're your family or your kids, or you just want the world to know that you lived this life. I think the one that was, is a woman who was from Rwanda, who lives in Canada, incredibly educated, lived all over the world, knows seven languages, but what she went through um, in Rwanda was breathtakingly mm -hmm. sad. And, but what was am amazing is how majestic she had become mm. in the 50s. And I mean, the intelligence in this woman is, and how she survived, but then was able to become like this worldwide traveler, educated. Um, I don't want to give too many details in case her story, well, she's, of course. the story is on my webpage. And so she obviously doesn't mind it being public, but what impressed us was she told us one story and then she wrote a second story and, you know, like when there's a, a nation grieving like that, how does the individual tell their story? And she did it with such um, dignity and beauty and humor, like, and loveliness. But anyway, when she read it in the class, she um, dressed in, you know, in the gowns, mm. sorry, uh, whatever it is, the hat. I, I yeah. Mean, like, scarf i don't know the name of it i apologize the traditional um, clothing nice oh and we were all just weeping and mm. laughing. But, i mean there's lots of ones that are very funny too but one again you know it's that thinking of like oh i i know i know about life i've lived my life blah mm -hmm. blah blah then you hear someone's story you're like holy lord how does and she was a beautiful writer too a beautiful beautiful writer and what i find is that there's a lot of lovely good writers and telling the story and making it better is its own reward. Definitely, definitely. Now, how can folks get a hold of you if they want to be part of this workshop, uh, if they want to book you for a presentation? What's the best way for them to contact Deborah Kimmett? Why don't we just do Deborah at Kimmett.ca and then I'll give them whatever information they want. So Deborah at Kimmet.ca, that's K-I-M-M-E-T-T. 
Deborah at Kemet.ca. I will include the link in this uh, in this podcast when we uh, when we put it up. So uh, yeah, if you've got a story to tell, and everybody's got a story to tell, then Debbie's the person. Deborah's the person to help you get through it, get you through those steps. Stop putting it off. All right, folks, I have got to go. Deborah, once again, thank you so much for joining me and congratulations again on raising so much money and putting so many, you know, so many pairs of socks and mittens and sleeping bags. And I know the need is great, but like you said, it's that drip of water, that consistent drip of water on the rock. You were the rock, my friend. So thank you for doing that. Thank you so much for uh, interviewing me. I appreciate it. And if you'd like to catch up on any of my other Laugh Long and Prosper episodes, you can check me out on most of the streaming sources. Go to my website, judycroon.com is another option. Until next time, folks, laugh long and prosper.